Hey, Beards and Dunn are back for another get-together. Hey, Beards, how you doing? Hey, Don, I'm doing great. Uh, happy Memorial Weekend to everybody. And I just got off the lake. I was out on a guy trip this morning with some folks from Cincinnati, Ohio. And we had a ball. We caught a ton of fish. The weather was beautiful. And uh, you can't uh, ask for a much better day than that. How about you, Don? Oh, we're out in Asheville, near actually Weaverville, out at our daughters and son-in-law's. We're, it is just awesome out here. We brought our bikes out with us, and we've been biking every day. It was about 70 degrees, sunny, no wind, biking in the mountains. I, I think I've died and gone to heaven. Beautiful. And I, oh, I just love this part of the country. And I, I'm glad you reminded me of Memorial Weekend. You know, that I don't know if that still is – that's still in my heart a big I, – I like Memorial Day because it's a time to sit back and remember those who have gone before and those who have made the ultimate sacrifices for our country. And, and you know, my dad was a veteran, and – and, you know, he, my uncle, you know, our parents, that they, they came up through that. And, um, oh, for I, sure. And, and, yeah, and Doug, you know, about my son, Andy was a veteran in the army for eight years. And, exactly. And, you know, we'll get into that story some down, down the road, but, you know, he suffered from PTSD and, um, you know, we can get that down the road on another podcast, but yeah, no Memorial weekends. It's, uh, it's not just out drinking beer, cooking brats and sitting out on a pontoon boat. You know, it's, uh, it's a lot more to it than that. That's you know, for that, sure. That old adage you're saying gone, but not forgotten. That really speaks to me because I tell too. you hardly a day goes by. I don't think of my father and my mom, you know, cause right. my gosh, the two most influential people in your lives. And, and then those that have gone that, you know, my uncle and aunt, uncle Claude and aunt Caddy, you know, they're, you know, my grandma's and, just people that you remember as a kid that were really instrumental in kind of teaching you stuff. And, 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 you know, we're going to visit someday about, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to have two really close friends in my life. Dick, you're one and Al Strotmeyer and you knew right. Al and yes. Al passed way before his time. And, and, you know, I hardly a day goes by. I don't think about the guy. And, right. uh, and so Memorial day really kind of drives that home for me, but, so, yeah, I think it's great that we have this chance to get together and kind of reminisce a little bit about, you know, we had Scott Underwood on last podcast. and I That really was enjoyed, a hoot. I enjoyed having Scott. And he's got that a dry sense of humor or kind of a, a wit about him. and He I can't always has. Oh, I, he always makes me smile. And, you know, Scott, as a coach, I've had, you know, I've had coaches. And coaches are, are, are good people. I, you got to be a good guy to be a coach to put up with the athletes. Right. But, you know, Scott was always really good. Uh, he could get on you without getting on you. Exactly. You know, he never belittled. He never, and I'm not saying any of my other coaches did, but, you know, you could tell your other coaches when you disappointed them and they kind of, you could read it. And, right. and you didn't want to disappoint him. And then you did. It really kind of hurt and stung. But, but with Scott, he just always seemed to understand. And maybe it was because he was such a, he was a runner himself and, uh, you know, knew. I, I always appreciated it. He said, you can tell at the finish line when they've given you what they got. And, and, and you can tell they gave you everything they had. You, you just take the results, move on, and, and look forward to another day. And right. So let's talk about looking forward to another day. You know, we left off with Nationals, our se- my senior year, your junior year, last kind of our, our last two races as SDSU cross-country runners. Didn't end the way we wanted to. So we just tucked our tails between our legs and went out and got <laughs> drunk that night. And No, we didn't do any of that <laughs> stuff. I know. People are going, what? And, uh, you know, uh, the next we morning, we probably wanted to. Well, no, I sure. You know, all I could think about was, and I don't think there was any question in your or my mind. We we're going to get up in the morning and go out for a run, and we were in Indiana, Pennsylvania. I couldn't find that on a map now. If you asked me to, right? We stayed at a Holiday Inn, I think, or something. But you and I got up and we said, and I said, "Pierce, let's go for." And he goes, "Yeah, we're going." And we said, "Well, we're going to do a twenty because we hadn't done twenties for a couple of weeks because we did exactly. taper down a little bit for nationals." And uh, we had some other races in mind coming down the road. So I don't know if you remember much about it, Dick, but I, you were always really good with like, ah, yeah, we'll just go for a run. And it's like, well, how, where are we going to run? Oh, we'll just figure it out as we go. <laughs> and uh, you had a pretty good sense of direction. Yeah, yes. And, and you kind of, you know, back in those days, we didn't have an odometer, uh, what do you call it, GPS. The garments. None of that. No. How we ended up with 20, where it's probably a pretty guesstimate. But you could count roads, mile mark, you know. Exactly. Most roads are set out on a grid system. And uh, so we took off. And I remember. And it was just you and I. I think all the other team members just laid in bed. They slept in. They slept in. The (laughs) season was over. They didn't have to get up and run. But we got up at the crack of dawn. We had to catch a flight. I don't remember. Noon or something. So we took off. Got our 20 in. And I remember towards the, you know, we'd been out over two hours. And I'm thinking. Yes. 
Dick, do you know how to get back to the hotel? And I, I, think, I think you did. And uh, we got back. And I think we got back an hour before we had to leave or something Barely like that. Barely in the nick of time. And so I yeah, just remember this. Good, good came, memories. Well, we came into the parking lot after this 20-mile run. And the Cal Poly SLO guys, Dick, I, I don't know if you remember that. They were loading up their van. Yeah, I kind of remember that. Airport. And I remember, and I said, hey, let's go over. Because we really, I didn't visit with those guys at the award ceremony. They got their trophies and all that, all Americans. And, and we got ours, second place, and all that was cool. But I, we went over, and I said, I'm just going to go over and say, hey, you know, congratulations. And you say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you were right there with me. And I remember we went over, and they were loading up their stuff. And I don't remember if it was like Mitch Kingry and, you know, and, and uh, Jim Shanko. All these guys were loading yep. up their stuff. And, uh, and we just kind of ran up to them, and they kind of – I don't know if they're like, what are, you, what are you guys crazy out running? You know, we go, hey, congratulations, you guys. We're, we're both from South Dakota State. We finished second behind you guys yesterday, and we just said congratulations. I just remember they were a little bit like, yeah, okay, whatever. They were kind of <laughs> right. aloof. And I know that – and not that I said anything at the time, but I remember after we – they didn't really – like whatever, and they they got th- thanks, you know, got in their car. They, they kind of almost shrugged us off in a they way. They almost, they really did. And, you know, now I want to go back. I'd like to call those guys up and go, hey, do you remember those two guys that came up and visited with you in the parking lot? Well, <laughs> one of them went on to run two oh eight. I want you to right. know, we weren't just a bunch of bums out there or anything like that. But <laughs> I, you know, some of those memories are just kind of uh, unique and special. And so we did Absolutely. that twenty, and then uh, got back to campus. I don't remember that week, but Bob Bartling. You know, and I, 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 I'm going to put this on our extras on our website, and I send it out to some of the, the alumni already. Bob Bartling just loved to get a bunch of runners together and head out to a, an out-of-state road race somewhere. We'd go down to Ames, Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa. We'd go to Kansas City. Uh, we went to Topeka, Kansas, I, I know, two years in a row after cross-country ended to do a marathon with Bob. And uh, Bob would just love loading up a car runners, good runners, and going to some road races. And so one week after nationals, you, me, Bob jumped in his Oldsmobile, if I remember right. Yep. We stopped in Sioux Falls and picked up my old roommate and our old friend, Randy Fisher. And Randy had been training on his own uh, and running quite well. I think, he, you know, he's yes. right around, I think he'd already run about a two, I think he ran two uh, 19 at Grandma's in 1980, if I remember right. He got third He place. did. Yeah, and so this was right before that. And so uh, the four of us headed to Kansas City, Missouri to run the Schlitz Light 25K. I got to laugh when I think about all the beer companies. Coors did a, I did a Coors Light 10K. You oh, and I did the- They all did. Oh, the beer company, Bud Light, you ran it in Rapid City a couple summers in a row. We yes. had our running camp and we'd always have the Bud Light 10K. And, uh, and so <laughs> these beer companies sponsoring heart healthy- uh, productive sports and all the <laughs> so, beer you could drink at the end the of the race at the end. <laughs> but it was a 25k and it was around some uh, park in kansas city and uh we got there the night before i remember driving we were trying to find a hotel and i think we got some pretty shady parts of kansas city if i remember right but bob got us to the hotel and we got out there to the starting line the next day in this park there were like 600 i looked it up the results 604 runners it's it a big race those, back then oh it was uh it was november 18th so the weekend before thanksgiving and um, it was crystal clear morning. Sun was shining. I'm guessing around 40, 45 degrees, which is, yep. it was uncomfortable at the starting line. It was a and little chilly. Say, oh, it was cold. And they always say, if you're uncomfortable at the starting line, you're dressed properly. Because, you exactly. know, if you come out there. Well, we, you and I showed up. And I can't remember. We just had singlets and our racing shorts. We didn't have Yeah, our Prairie Strider signets. Yeah, just that. And um, there was an old SDSU alumnus named Bob Busby. And Bob was an outstanding runner for South Dakota State University and gone on. And if I remember correctly, Bob ran a 216 marathon later in his career. Yeah, he was good. College. Oh, he was, he was an outstanding runner, lived in the Kansas City area. And I'd heard a lot about him. He had that South Dakota State marathon record for runners. He had ran a 237 marathon in college. And that was kind of the, quote, unofficial school record. I don't know if they really even keep an official school record right. for a marathon. But he had it, and I knew it because – we ended up breaking that. Uh, Randy Fisher and I did. A guy named Ron Amundsen uh, ran under that. And and so I, I knew Bob Busby by rep- his reputation. Well, he was at the race. And so as we came up there, and Bob knew Bo- uh, B- Busby. And so I, I don't know if he introduced us, but we were standing there. And this guy had, like, long winter underwear on. He had a turtleneck <laughs> and gloves on, you know, stocking hat. Because he's, he's from Kansas City, and I think, you know, 40, 45 degrees is getting down there chilly for those guys. Right. Well, up at Brookings, that's, that's a that's – a, Balmy day. I mean, that's a great day to go running. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you remember what he said? I, he, well, I remember he he kind of 
kind of got smart alecky and did. said something to us like, "Oh, look at these boys from the nor- yeah, up south north Dakota or State. something." Yeah. They think they're you know, so tough. They're yeah, tough that's as- it. Yeah, they think yeah. they're so tough. Uh, and I don't know about you, Beards, but I just love when somebody throws kind of a, a little, I wouldn't call it an insult necessarily, no, but, but a, kind of a, a dig. It got you us know? charged up a little oh, bit. Oh, you, you better believe it. You know, whenever somebody kind of gives you that little disrespect or something, right. it's like, really? You think we're, we're not that tough, huh? <laughs> and so, I mean, I was ready. Man, shoot the gun. You know, let's exactly. Go. Me anyway, too. Anyway, and so they shot the gun, and I really don't remember a lot of the race. Other than it, was, it was a goddamn hilly road race. Hilly. 20, you, 50, you had to be uh, part Billy Goat to run that course. <laughs> but we had been running hills in yes. preparation for our national cross-country meet all season, even though it didn't look like we had a week earlier. And so, you know, I, I put on our our, our – website under extras it, it says we peaked a week too late because exactly you and I, uh we had a good day and i know you took off and you were right at the front i kind of started a little easier and kind of back of the front pack kind of watching there were probably 10 12 guys in front of me and i i just know beards i kind of kept moving up through the field as the race went on and wasn't it it was an out and back course if i remember out and back twice twice out, yes out and back out and back which is it was that you know, they they crammed fifteen and a half miles into this park, right? That you could really only run about four miles in one direction. Yeah. So you went out and you came back to the starting line and you're half done, and then you went out again and back. So you really kind of had to do all the hills twice going out, twice coming back. And um, I and I don't you know I'm just going to cut to the chase with about a mile or two to go. I'd move myself up into third place. And I could see across this lake. There was a lake in the middle of the park. And yep. You were in the lead. So I, I don't know what happened up for, between the, the – when I lost sight of you and right towards the end of the race, but you were up there dueling with a, a fella that we both – Fred knew. Carnahan. Fred Carnahan out of uh, Kearney, Nebraska, and, I believe. And done. I was, I was worried because I had kind of – him and I had kind of broken away. Then I broke away from him. And, you know, you know back then I had that terrible habit of looking back and – you know, gosh dang it! It seemed like Fred was closing the gap, and and I'm thinking, and I knew that the the winner got to go to the Schlitz Marathon National Championship, all expenses paid. So I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing, and I'm like, I just I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to the good Lord, please Lord, just let me get there before <laughs> he does. And and I was fortunate to to win that day, and I think Fred was maybe about 40 seconds back or something yeah. like that. And you guys were about, you were like two minutes ahead of me. He was about a minute ahead of me. So you guys had really distanced us, the rest of the, the lead group, if you would. And I just kind of bided my time. And so when I moved into third and I kept looking and there was nobody behind me, and I was like in that catbird state. I, I couldn't, I didn't have to worry about catching you two guys because I wasn't going to catch you. I knew that sure. because you were too far ahead. And I just had to kind of keep my rhythm and to get to the finish and finish third. And what I just remembered is I was coming into the finish the last two, three miles a lot of the runners were just heading back out to start I know. second lap. Yes. And, and and they were like very enthusiastic and the people were cheering for, I, I'm sure they cheered for you a ton as you were the leader. But when I came by myself, they were like, hey, you're looking great, great job. You're in third. And, and they would reach out and high and I'd high five them. Like, you know, if you ever watch at track meets when they take their victory lap and they're all, you know, high five and everybody in the stands or at the tour de france after they finish and they're they're riding back to their bus they're high-fiving people well, people are high-fiving me oh i was just getting totally jacked well up. and, and done I... let me just interrupt for a second and any listeners that are that you know that like to run races and they and it's a course with an out and back and they think oh man out and back but man the feedback you get from the other runners oh, when when you come back and there's still runners going the other way it's it, it it's like having a built-in crowd there to cheer you on it's you know and a lot of times you're thinking you're the only one out there suffering yeah and when you turn around and you know when there's 500 runners or whatever or 100 runners behind you and you see how hard they're working just as hard as you are if not harder you know kind of we're all in this together you know it's it's kind yes of free decor and and the fact that you might be going just a little bit faster than they are we're all out there putting in the same effort you know absolutely is just putting in it's going as fast as they can. Well, we finished the race, and you got first. And, and I always said, you got the biggest goddamn trophy I'd ever seen in my life. I swear the thing was almost as tall as you are. That Seriously, of all the races I ran before that <laughs> and after that, without doubt, that thing was – it, 
it was like it was per, it was like four feet tall or something. Well, well, we loaded that up in the car. I think <laughs> you, yeah, we had a whole bunch of they they gave away a lot of swag as they call it back yes. in the day, you know. And uh, we we raked in. Randy Fisher got tenth, so we had three Prairie Striders in the top ten finishers of a, a really strong field. If there had been a team title, we would have. Oh, had for it. sure. Bob finished second in the fifty and over division, and. I'm not sure how old Bob was at that time, but he was a lot older than 50. He was probably closer to 60 at that yes. time. And so he ran really well. And so the ride back, I always remember, Bob, you're going to have a good time with Bob riding to a race and coming home no matter what. And that was extra good. I remember we stopped at my house. I told, I don't think we, you know, we, going through Sioux Falls, I lived three, four miles off the interstate. I wanted my folks, we went to our house just for a quick stop. To show him that damn trophy. <laughs> I said, I, I took it in the house. And look at it. Look at a dick one. And it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, they'd seen a lot of trophies. Right. The, you know, but nothing like that. And so, anyway, we got back. And, and you know, that, that that was pretty good news that you, uh, the $500 scholarship went to the athletic department. Yes. Which, uh, you know, I'm sure they were happy to have gotten it. And, like, I put on our website, that kind of helped pay back for that chartered plane. Exactly. That got for you. You kind of paid it back for that. And so, you know, we we kind of finished our season then, right? There really wasn't any more races coming up that I can no. remember after you know, November. The winter pretty much hit South Dakota. Well, and so it kind of kind of wrapping up that semester, finishing school. You finished the semester out, I assume. I don't really remember the details. But did you make a decision about that at that time? Well, so well, then. Yeah, December, you had to go to the Nationals. Yeah, so I had to go to the Nationals in December. And, you know, I think Mary and I met like end of August, first part of September, because you and Karen were boy girlfriends and Karen and Mary were friends and you introduced me to her. And, and then we, um, we went, her and I, um, flew. I remember we went to Mary's home for Thanksgiving and, uh, she said, I remember her asking her mom and dad. And now this is the first time I'd ever met Mary's parents. Oh, wow. And, so before I, we left to go back to school, Mary said, so Dick won this race and he gets to go to the national championship and he would like me to come along. So, you know, Mary was, I think, 19 years old at the time. And I thought, oh man. And I was, I was on pins and needles. So I thought, okay, they're just meeting this skinny runt of a runner. And now he wants to take their, their baby girl to, to Florida with them. And by gum... They, um, Ed and Sylvia said yes. They even said, we'll take care of the ticket. And so we flew down there and they, they put us up at this Innsbruck Resort. It's like this, you know, five-star golf resort down there in uh, close to Tampa, if I remember right. And so uh, I think it was... So, so all the ahead. winners from all the Schlitzlight races around the United States who had won... That was their ticket to get to this race. Yes. So yeah, that okay, was, okay. they had them all over the country. And so there was a, I forget how many runners were there, but it was a, it was a big deal. You know, it was a national championship for the Schlitz series of, of races that they put <laughs> on. 10K marathon. They had a couple different events. Yeah. Distances. Yeah. Okay. And so I can't remember now if it was before the marathon or afterwards, but um, I asked Mary to marry me. We got engaged down there in Florida. Oh, that's a, and so that's a, cool. You know, we hadn't been. We let's say we started dating September first. Here it was. You know, three December. months later. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we got engaged, and um, it was it was kind of a cool deal. I remember I I proposed to her underneath. It was at it was at night, and I got down on my knee under a big pine tree at this golf course <laughs> complex and stuff. So, <laughs> Neat. And my folks were there. My folks were down there. They went down to Florida in the wintertime, and uh, that's where they spent their time in their camper. And so uh, they got to be in on that excitement. And I remember my dad was so excited, and, and uh, yeah. yeah, it was uh, good memories. Oh, well, I met Mary's folks, and they're fantastic. I'd met your folks, and they were fantastic. Yeah. So I can't see why anybody would have, everybody's happy. This is a great deal. But you have a marathon to run while you're exactly. there. And, and I, I don't know much about it other than you can tell us. Oh, Mikey, or Don, I don't know. I don't remember a whole lot about it other than the fact that it was hotter than blazes. And there were, it was sunny. It was very warm that day. It was humid. 
And, you know, we're coming from the north or I'm coming from the north country where it's been cold. There was, you know, when we left, there was snow on the ground and whatnot. And so I get down there and uh, there was a good field of runners. And the, the one that I remember was that Brian Maxwell from Canada because mm-hmm. he always wore those Canadian flag shorts. shorts yeah. And and he was like a sub 220 marathoner at that time. And I got out there. I went out with I don't even, the only thing I re, really remember the race is my dad was kind of following me, him and Mary, in in his car. And um, I remember going by my dad at a, some point in the race and said, and I was I was hurt and I was dehydrated. And, and, you know, remember back then we didn't have all these fancy drinks and goos and all this kind of stuff. And finally, I, I, I can't even remember what mile marker it was. I just, I was done. And I, I, I was so disappointed in myself that I dropped out and, I, w- I really was. The only thing that was that made that whole trip special and worthwhile was Mary and I getting engaged. It sure wasn't <laughs> the running because when you drop out of a race, it it does something to your confidence as a runner. And, and I, was, mm. I was just really down on myself that I didn't have the fortitude to keep going even, have to, even if I had to crawl into my hands and knees. But I'm going to give you, catch you a little slack here. You know, it was December 18th, if I remember the date of that race, and it was hotter in places. And that Brian Maxwell went on to finish, I know he finished second or third at the Boston Marathon. He was a, it ran in the Olympics, if I'm not, for Canada. He was right. like a 213, 212. Yeah. That was outstanding. And uh, he won that Schlitzlight Marathon in 229. On that, t- and and for him, like you said, he was a sub two twenty guy. Right. It was a, it was a brutally hot day. I Brutal. don't imagine you were the only uh, DNF, um, and you might, you know, I don't think you have a lot to be ashamed about there, Dick. When 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 you're dehydrated, when things aren't going well, you know, you can oh. struggle through and walk it. I guess if you would have had to, but but done. It was such a cool thing because down there. Some of the biggest names in runners and running well, I was gonna mention, were hanging around. Yeah. Well, you know, and I don't know if you remember this, Dick, but I, Mary and you guys, we have photo albums. And I, I've seen, one of my favorite things that I come to visit you is like, where's the box of photo albums? Right. I, I'm, I'm looking for myself primarily in most of those photos. <laughs> but no, but I love looking at some of the photos of your experiences. And there's a photo of you at the Schlitzlight. And there was a 10K, I think they must have ran after the marathon started. They did the 10K. And then the marathoners are going to be coming in because yes. there's there's Gary Bjorklund, Frank Shorter, Bill Rogers. I mean, they they Schlitz lighted, you know, these guys, I don't know if they were invited. Maybe they had ran in some Schlitz light events. And they were the studs of studs at that studs, time. Exactly. And they were all sitting at a table in his tent. And they were signing. Look, look at say they were just lining. People could line up and get their autograph, which you bet. You know why not just put everybody together? And and, and the, I I just laugh every time I think about this because you you I, if I remember Mary telling me this, you snuck around behind these guys, and you're standing behind them. They're they're totally unaware you're there. Yeah, you they don't know who them. I am or that I'm standing almost on their head. <laughs> and Mary takes a picture, and I think the story was you just wanted to say, hey, look at grandkids. I was at a race, and there's Bill Rogers. And it's not like they didn't know you; you didn't know them. No, and, you know, it was, it's such you know it's such a uh, ironic that you would photobomb these guys, and within a couple of years, oh, they all knew you, and you knew them on a I personal know. level because you had actually moved yourself up from you weren't. I hate to say in their, I don't know. If I hate to say in their class or. I wasn't. Ca- no, you know, and and so you wouldn't have even thought of. Hey, you guys, I'm Dick Bursey <laughs> going over. And you didn't introduce yourself or anything. You just wanted to Done. photobomb them. I love Done. it. Done. At the time, I th- those three runners, Bjorklund and, and Bill Rogers and uh, Frank Shorter, Shorter, they were like yeah. my running heroes. And oh, I'd read yeah. about them, never met them before, seen them, and I thought, I'm this close to them. I'm going to, gosh dang, jump in there and look like I'm their buddy, you know. And, <laughs> I uh, love it. <laughs> and, you fu- but, I did, they had in term, I don't think they had the term photobomb in 1979. Or no, but I, excuse me, you did. That's what it was. Uh, and I'll never I love forget it. that. But never at, at that point, I would have never, ever in my wildest dreams ever think that a, a few years down the road I'd be competing and racing against these guys and, and on some days even getting to beat them, you know. That was just beyond my thinking at that point. Uh, I think it's just poetic 
I don't know, irony or something <laughs> like that. I can't think of the right word. But well, anyway, so you know, even though it was disappointing, you had a great trip with your your folks are there. Mary was there. You get engaged. Yeah, the race didn't turn out as well as you'd hope, but you know, it's all right. The holidays are coming. Right. The semesters right. comes to an end, and you decided what? So, after Mary and I got engaged, you, done. You know, me and and college classes and school didn't. I just wasn't the best student. You know, it just it was very hard for me. And so once I we got engaged, I thought, well, that's it. I'm done running. It's time now to you know to get a job start working you know probably gonna you know have raise a bunch of kids so i took a job in a little town called franklin minnesota which is kind of in the southern part of south central part of the state as a dairy herdsman so basically i I took over this guy's dairy farm and uh, was you know milking cows and and I, i quit running i mean honestly after that schlitz race I don't know that I ran another step after that. And so I moved to this farm. Mary was still at South Dakota State. And uh, I hadn't run for probably two or three months. Well, the guy that owned the farm, his son went to school up in uh, at either NDSU or Moorhead State up in Fargo, Moorhead, Minnesota, you know, Fargo, North Dakota and Moorhead, Minnesota. Well, he comes home on a weekend one time and he, and he comes over to the farmhouse I lived in. He goes... Yeah, he goes, Dick. He says, Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I run up there. He says, I, I, I hear you're a runner. I said, Well, I said I was. I said, You know, I haven't run in, you know, a few months now. And he says, Well, hey, you want to go for a little run tomorrow? I said, Well, sure. Well, you know, I was what, 21, 22, yeah. I don't know, something like that. You know, so even though I hadn't run for a while, I thought I could still run three miles with him. So I dug out a pair of old running shoes and we went out for a three mile run. And done, it was like, it made me realize how much I missed it. Hmm. And and I remember a couple of days later, I uh, I went out before I went over to milk the cows. I went out to the mailbox and got the mail and I come into the house and I got, you know, a pair of dirty coveralls on and, and I threw the mail on the table and my subscription to Runner's World magazine hadn't, uh, run out yet so it was laying on the table so I looked at my watch I thought well I got a few minutes so I flip open the magazine and I'm writing reading through it and there was an article in there about the 1980 Olympic marathon trials and what you had to do to qualify you know had to run two hours 21 minutes and 56 seconds and my best was about probably 10 minutes 10 11 minutes slower than that and I and done I remember standing there and I'm a young, you know, young guy, and I'm thinking, gosh, dang it, I gotta try this. I said, I remember telling myself, I don't want to get to my age, at 67 that I am now, and look back and say, why didn't I even try? Because you know, as long as you you never fail at anything that you try, you might not complete it or you might not be successful at, but you're never a failure because you you at least gave it a shot. It's when you fail is when you look back and say, why didn't I give you know give that opportunity? So the next day I I took the day off from milk and cows, and I drove into the cities and I I found a one room apartment uh, in a, a, a town outside of Minneapolis called Excelsior. And it was, I believe it was 400 bucks a month. I thought, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but I'll figure it out somehow. And then Mary and I got, you know, married in June of 79. And we we moved there and she got a job at a bank. And I kind of, I worked at a, I think a, oh, a footlocker for a little bit. I mowed yards, things like that. And I started training twice a day, back up running a hundred plus mile weeks. And I didn't have a coach at the time. But I tell you what I did done. So Ron Dawes was a wonderful, great runner from Minnesota, made the 1968 Olympic team and in the marathon. And Ron wrote a book called Self-Made Olympian. Right. And in that book, he he had pages of many of his workouts that him and his running buddy, Steve Hogue, who was a 211 marathoner from Minnesota. And so I took a little bit of what I learned from Coach Folkrod at UMW. I took some of what I learned from Coach Underwood at South Dakota State. I, and I took some of Ron's stuff and kind of mixed them all together. 
and it it seemed to work and my running just started kind of you know taking off and um i never would have thought it would and there was no guarantee i was going to amount to anything but again like i said earlier i didn't want to look back and at my age now and say gosh dang it i wish i would have given it a shot when i was young and had that opportunity i love i love that story you know everything you said resonates i think with every runner you know it's that inner desire that you know i did a, a i got to do a talk one time uh at in sioux falls it was a regional ted talk and i called it uh, challenge by choice you know deep in your heart sometimes there's a little i don't know what it is and you listen to it it's that part of you that says you know if you don't do this you're going to look back someday and regret it and it right it's a real it's a real leap of faith and you're challenging yourself but nobody nobody cornered you and no nobody said hey we'll give you a couple hundred grand if you go try to do this it was totally self what's the word uh, directed you, you yes made, uh, uh, you know and I, I just i love that passion when somebody says you know i don't know if i'm going to be able to do this but i'm going to give it a shot and you know when you said you, you're only a failure when you don't try, and that we put on our website on that thing, it said the man in the arena. You know, it's easy to sit around and complain about people when they're not performing well, unless you, you know, if you, the guy that <laughs> deserves to have a comment is the guy who's actually doing it. You know, exactly. And, and, if, it, and so when you're not the guy in the arena, it's it's not. I want to be the guy in the arena. I want to be the one making my decisions for me for the things I want to do. And so I just remember that period of time. I remember when you had quit running and you'd come back to see Mary. And, yes. Uh, you know, and I think it was in January, you weren't running a step. And uh, there was a race over in Lumberton, uh, Minnesota, Gene Asp, uh, Kristen Asp's dad. Right. Kristen was an outstanding multi-All-American conference, regional, I think, I don't know if she won national championships. I wouldn't be surprised. Runner from Lumberton who attended South Dakota State University where her dad was a heck of a runner. And so he put yes. a race on in January called the Frostbite Five, which is well well named because if you're Great running races, for it. oh, if you're running in January, there's a chance of frostbite every day. Well, anyway, he put a race on, and I know you had won it in 1978, and I think you might have been the one who told me about it. But you were back that weekend visiting Mary, and said, "Yeah, there's a race in Lumberton," and I thought, "Gosh, I'm in pretty good shape." I'm going to, and, and I thought, how am I going to get over there? And you said, Mike, just take my pickup. Cause you had this old, right. I don't know what kind of, it had three on the tree. That's what I remember. You had to drive yes. a manual and I knew how to do that. <laughs> so my girlfriend, fiance, future wife, Karen jumps in with me and she and I take your pickup truck, drive to Lumberton that morning. And it was, the roads were not good. And we I got see there. Snowy. It's a five mile race, four miles on gravel road. The last mile in Lumberton is kind of on paved road and they bust you out five miles right. I think they kind of do that for the wind because man if you know I, I don't know if they took us south of town because I don't know it's wide route. open country yeah you want to make sure you've got a tailwind if, otherwise a headwind on a cold frigid it was cold so we're riding in this bus a whole bunch of runners out to the five mile drop-off point and the minute they get there and they say okay everybody off the bus you want that gun <laughs> to go off I mean yes, line them up yes. let's go it's freezing out here and the road was snow-packed well, the only reason I'm telling you this story is I, I wasn't sure what, you know, gee, do I wear my training flats or I had some nice racing flats or lightweight, but no tread on them whatsoever. And then I thought, geez, I even had thrown my track spikes in. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait a minute. It's a road race. It's a road race. It's not a track race or a cross country race. But I'm thinking, hey, it's gravel road and it's snowpack. So right. I, I lace up my track spikes. Well, first I went out I and tried remember. running in my, I, I tried running in my training. I was slip sliding all over the place. And oh I yeah. Thought, Man, I, so I, I put on my track spikes and I went out for a little jog real quick before the race started. And it's like, yeah, this works pretty good. No so I, I line up with track spikes on in this road race. <laughs> the only one that had them. Oh, no, definitely the only one doing it. <laughs> Nobody else brought anything with them. I had a bag full of shoes with me on the bus. <laughs> well, anyway, the gun goes off and boom, the first half mile, there's a guy, and I know I found out later it was Paul Mosling, and Paul's a, a fantastic Heck of a runner. runner. Oh, he went on to run a two sixteen marathon, and he's a physician now, he's a medical right. doctor, and and I knew Paul by his reputation as he was like a, a, a division three, I think, all American several times, just a really good runner, and I thought, oh, and I caught up to him at about the half mile mark, and and you know <laughs> you you always kind of take a good deep breath before you. You want to talk, make talk like you're the guy next to you is. You don't want him to know you're hurting at all, right? So I, I go, to, hey, Paul. I said, how you doing? 
and he slipped sliding. I mean, you could see every time he'd go to step off, his foot would slip, right. you know, and he, and he was kind of cussing under his breath. And I said, well, have a good run or something. And I just took off. And I tell you, I wasn't slipping. I had spikes on. No. I'm just... And I tell you, I put, I, by the time I got to town, the four mile mark, whatever, I couldn't even see Paul behind me. And I thought, well, this is great. And then I got into town, even though the roads were snow packed, my spikes were like click, clack, click, 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 oh, click, 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 on the asphalt. <laughs> and I was thinking, gosh, I'm going to fall. It's like I'm on ice skates here. Well, well yeah, now the... you're just the opposite now oh, with my... those spikes on. <laughs> so I, I, I know I really didn't need them that last month, but I've got to, I got across the finish line and, you know, I go in and they had a chili feed and. And I remember Paul, he got second, and he, uh, even his folks were there watching the race. I remember they were, he, I went over to him later and just said, hey, good job or something. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. You know, and I think, <laughs> I think to this day, if I ever talk to him, he's still mad at me for wearing track spikes in a road race. And I had, Mikey, I had a oh, huge advantage, huge advantage. Well, but you know what? That's, again, when you get ready for an event like that, you bring everything that might help you and give you an advantage. And you were the one that thought, you know what? I'm going to throw my spikes in just in case. And it paid off. Oh, Bill Winmark, your coach, one of your former coaches always said, have, you have your toolbox. Your your toolbox is sometimes it's your sprint. It's your good on the hills. It's your, your great endurance base. I mean, we've got all these tools at our disposal. Well, then there's actually the, the actual physical things like your track spikes or your racing flats or what have you, or, and, and so I just had to throw that in there because I'm probably one of the few runners in the world to ever win a road race with track spikes on. Well, that's but a anyway, great story. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites because it w- turned out so well for me. Well, anyway, and so, you know, um, I then went into track. Uh, unfortunately, I remember I, probably from that race, I got hurt. I didn't run indoor track my senior year. That would have been 79. Well, you and I were starting training in the Minneapolis area, and we really – we were talking, you know, we didn't have cell phones in those days. And no. long distance calls were totally, I, we couldn't do that. And, you, you know, Mary, you'd come see Mary occasionally or Mary might go up to the cities. Yep. And so I think it was a little, you know, we'd, we'd talk to each other through Mary sometimes because she was still finishing up her spring semester there right. at South Dakota State. And uh, I know then, um, you know, as the track season was kind of winding down, the, uh, the, the Howard Wood Relays was uh, is a huge track meet. It's still to this day one of the biggest track meets in the Midwest. Uh, I just watched it this spring on TV here in Bemidji. They had that Rapid City kid ran like a 404, 403 mile. Yeah. 150, 800 at that. Just outstanding runner. Well, Howard Wood's a big meet. And so um, I know I was going down there and, and running on the track team. And I was running. I ran in the four uh, by one mile relay. We had, they had a four by one mile relay. And I was on that team. And then I know you decided to come. And you were getting fit, you know, up in the yes. cities. You had run, you had a good base, I guess. If you started training legitimately, what do you think? In February, maybe? Yeah, when probably about, your... yeah, probably, yeah, late February. Okay, so you got all of March, all of April, and now it's the, uh, it's kind of towards the end of May. So you've got a yeah. good 10, 10, 12 week base, I guess. Yep. I can't imagine you'd done much speed work. No, just basically putting on miles, you know. Little and fart so you lit. Show, and you, so you showed up for the uh, Hardwood 10-mile road race. And I wasn't sure of this, but before we came on, I had, was that your, your comeback race after your break from running? It was. That was my first wow. race after I, uh, well, after the Schlitz thing that I dropped out of and, you know, took off two, three months, from, didn't run at all. And so that was my first race back. So needless to say, I was, first off, I was excited to, you know, be hanging around with you and Karen and yeah. then um and then you know my first race back and I was I was so excited and uh yeah it was do you remember much about the uh, well let's just give it away you won the race I know you ran 51 20 or something low 51 yeah I ran pretty good yeah. but and I, I I don't even remember Dunn if I ran in a pack or if I ran if I won it by myself or what do you remember? You probably remember. I, you know, I was going, I, I actually could go through my box of uh, results and I know there's a, a nice Argus leader article and it's got a picture of you after the finish. And I just remember beards, your running shoes weren't in really good shape. They looked, they were, they were like duct taped together. They if were. I'm not, I, if I'm not they mistaken. Were, they were duct taped together there. I had a pair of new balance three twenties, I think. And I, you know, 
I didn't have any money to buy any shoes, and and so I basically was duct taping them together. And <laughs> were, I you was, goo- were you gooing them in those days? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Now, for runners who don't know this, but go ahead and tell them what that means. Yeah, the shoe shoe goo or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that what it's? Yeah. yeah, I think so. And it like the sole started coming off, so I would shoe goo this stuff on there, and then the the sole got so worn down. I'd build it back up again with exactly. shoe glue. <laughs> exactly. You know, and we now know that it's the if, uh, vinyl acetate, ethyl vinyl acetate, EVA. That's the cushioning part of the shoe. Then there's a rubber, you know, that's the contact, right. the tread. Well, after you run a couple 500, 600 miles on a pair of shoes, the surface, the black rubber surface, it wears into that. Once you get into yes. that soft EVA. The midsole. They usually say, oh, man, it's time to pitch those shoes because you've compressed that that can, uh, the cushion to where right. it's not doing its job. It's almost like a bicycle helmet. If you fall and hit your head, they say, throw that helmet away. Cause you've, it's done its job. It's absorbed the shock, but it won't do it again because the, the oh, absorption ability is and, gone now and done. Your shoes, I had no, your shoes. Oh, there was no cushion. In fact, <laughs> yeah, done. When I'm running, I'm thinking, I just hope my shoes don't fall apart six miles into the race and fall off you, you my feet. You might as well have been like Akili Bikili, the, the, the yeah, barefoot runner who won the gold medal. But, but anyway, I just remember that it was really exciting that you won the um, the 10 mile in your first race back. I had run the four by one uh, uh, relay the day before and it ran well. I'd ran my best mile ever. I think it was a 415. And so the next day, Karen had graduated uh, from uh, her, with her degree at yeah. South Dakota State, uh, the spring of of seventy nine, and I, my folks and I, because we were engaged now, we all we went up and went sat watched her go through graduation and that. I wasn't going to graduate till the next uh, the fall semester, and so um, we came back then. And so unfortunately, I wasn't there to see your you know coming in at the finish. Right, we were up at SDSU, but we got back around noon, I think, or one o'clock, and at like three or four that afternoon was the college 1500 and this i hope brad quartz listens to this okay because- and this is uh, i'm going to interrupt done because it was <laughs> one of the most exciting greatest 1500 meters i've ever right. watched in my life and, and talk know, about I've, it mikey we, we've got about five minutes we're going to wrap yes. it up here with the with with the howard wood 1500 story and and so uh i had you know i was not scheduled to run the rest of the meet i was just scheduled to run that four by one mile relay and we'd finished second as a team i think behind drake Drake had some really good runners every year. So I came back the next day and I, I went out for lunch with Karen and my folks and her folks after her graduation. And uh, I decided I was going to, I thought, man, I'm going to see if I can jump into, I was, I'm going to check with Coach Underwood and see if I can jump into maybe like the 1500, the, see if there's a, if I can get into that race this afternoon. So I, I ate a very light lunch, not anything heavy. And then I threw my gear, my kit, as you would say, in the car. And Karen and I headed down to, um, to Howard Wood, and we got into the stadium there, and you were there, and Jan Kane, and and I think Mary was there, and um, you know, it was all the SDSU runners, and and uh, I, I found Underwood, and I said, hey, Aunt Scott, I said, is there any chance I can get into the 1500? I, I'd like to get into that, and he says, well, we've got two runners in there already. I can't remember it was somebody, uh, Kurt Swanhorse. He said, go ask Kurt. Kurt had run like every relay. It would have been yeah. his fourth race that weekend. He goes, check with Kurt. If Kurt doesn't want to run, you can take his spot. So I said, all right. So I found Kurt and Kurt was out jogging around. Hey, Kurt said, Andy said, if you didn't want to run the 1500, he'd let me. He goes, and I'm not kidding you. Kurt said, Mike, you got it. He was like, <laughs> I think it was like, what a relief. I mean, the no guy had already ran like, oh, he had run three really outstanding races already. I think he was about ready to take a break. So I thought, awesome. So I jumped into this thing. All right, here we go. And so, you know, I, I, we line up for the 1500s. I feel about 10, 12 guys. And the gun goes off. And just like I almost started laughing because it's like high school guys. Everybody's so excited. The gun goes off. And right away, I'm in last place. I mean, I'm right. more of a 5, 10, 10K guy. And I'm running the mile. And we take, I'm in last place. And I'm, and, and I'm like, the pack is pulling away from me. And as we make one complete lap of the track, they have a guy standing. Now, you got to remember, 1500 meters doesn't start at the finish line it right. starts around the curve because it's a little less than a mile it's about 120 yards or something less than a mile anyway so they have a guy reading your quarter splits where the starting line is not <laughs> at the finish all right so we come around and i hear the guy as the lead pack goes by he goes 60 oh my and I goodness go by and he goes and he goes 61 
And I'm thinking, oh, those idiots. I go, they're going four-minute mile pace. And I know right. there's nobody in there that's capable of that. And I'm not much better. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about 10 meters behind them, but I'm at 61 seconds. And I'm thinking, well, this is not going to end well for most everybody in this race. Right. So lucky the pack up ahead kind of realizes after the first 400 meters, you know, reality starts to set in. And, and as we came around for the second finishing two laps, I had regained the back of the pack now. I wasn't yeah. like, drifting off by myself. And as we went through, they yelled out uh, 206. 206. So I, you know, I, I can do that in my head. Well, that, I ran a 61. Now I just ran a 65. Yeah. The guys ahead of me ran a 60. Now they just ran a 66. So reality's kind of setting in. Yes. Well, then that third lap, I'm thinking, all right, I'm like in last place yet. I got to get closer to the front. And so I'm kind of making my way through a pack of 10, 12 guys. And, you know, you're, we're riding pretty fast, but, you know, right. everybody's, you just have those opportunities to see a little opening. As we come around, with the th- end of the third lap, the guy yells out 312. All right. So now I'm thinking, okay, I was 206. That was a 66. So I've run a 61, a 65, and now I've run a 66. And I'm at 312. And I'm really right up at about the second, third, second, third, fourth place. And I'm thinking, okay, we've got about 1,200 meter mark. We have 300 meters to go. And I'm thinking, I am not a you know, speedy rabbit here. I'm, no. a, I'm, just a, I'm a, a marathoner. So I'm thinking, I got to go now. You know, I can't wait till 100 yards. I remember this. And I started sprinting down the back stretch in lane two. And I get by everybody, but the lead runner is a guy from Drake. And he saw me coming over his shoulder. And the minute I got on his shoulder, he accelerated. Yes. So he's, he's holding me. And I'm, I'm going as fast as I can run. And the, the back straightaway is starting to come to the final curve now. <laughs> and I, I've been at this game long enough to know that if you run around that last curve in lane two, you're running like three, four meters. Oh, extra. yeah. And that's just wasted energy. It's, you're running further than you have to. So you either want to make that pass before you get into the corner or, or if you can't, well, and I couldn't. I could not get by this guy. I couldn't run any faster. So I eased off just a hair, and he got that step ahead of me, and I dropped in behind him. And I'm kind of thinking, man, I'm tired. You know, this is, I got 200 <laughs> I meters to go you. now. And I just went as hard as I could and couldn't get around this guy. And I'm thinking, you know, okay, you got to kind of like just get yourself, regather, regather, I'm thinking. And I'm not feeling that great. I have to be honest with you. I mean, you, I'm going as fast as I can. Oh, this yeah. is the fastest race I've ever been in. And as we swing into the home stretch, I'm thinking, man, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to get by this guy. And I noticed he stumbled, you know, very subtly. You know, yeah. he kind of caught like a toe. So he kind of kind of stuttered. And I thought, wait a minute. This dude is hurting. You know, yes. I thought I was hurting. Now, you want to hear a lesson here, folks. When you're hurting, the guy next to you, he's probably hurting Absolutely. just as bad. If or not worse. worse. And it really dawned on me, this dude ain't even feeling any better than I am. And he's actually a little, he's kind of stumbling. I think he's, and I, I just, it really got me going. And I've swung into lane two. And that whole home stretch... I couldn't hear a thing. People are going nuts. I couldn't hear a thing. It was like dead silent to me. And I crept up, crept up. I was on his shoulder and they still had a finish line. This is how old we are. They don't have finish lines (laughs) anymore. Now it's all electronic beams and stuff like that. But they had a freaking string stretched across the finish line. And I could see that darn string. And as we got closer and closer and closer, I started to lean and that dude started to lean. I mean, we were side by side. And I felt that string hit me right across the bridge of the nose. <laughs> I was leaning. You know, it was probably four foot off the ground, and I'm almost six foot. Yeah, so I was bent forward. Right. And I felt that thing hit me across, and I, and I kind of had to overstride to keep from falling forward. The dude from Drake biffed it. He leaned I and leaned and that. leaned, and, and he went down into a pile, and I stayed up, and I kind of jaw, you know, came to a stop. And, I, I mean, man, I, was, I, I would have been breathing through my ears if I could have. But I, I did not know what just it did. And I turned around and they had what they call pickers. <laughs> Track, yes. When it, you know, the timer just stops a watch on first runner. He sees cross the line. He stops it. The second guy, he, he put, stops the watch on the second guy. He sees cross the line and third and fourth. So they have a timer for each of the top eight, 10 finishers. Well, then they have a different guy who actually determines who was first, who was second, who was yes. third. And then the picker goes back, reports the name or the number of the runner, and they match the time. All right. Well, the guy comes walking towards me, and he, and he, goes, and he goes, what's your name? Because he, I guess, you know, he needed to tell the, the Finnish guys, well, this, 
And I said, Mike Dunlap. And he said, all right. And he, he turns to walk away. And I go, hey, hey, what place? What place? And he goes, and he goes first. And I was like, oh, hallelujah. Oh. And I look, and I see coming across the infield, Beards and Jan Kane come oh. bounding across yes. the infield from the other side of the track. And, and I know Kano said my eyes look like freaking saucers. I was so jacked up. And then you guys came over and started you know, hugging me and picking oh, me up. Oh, yeah. And we jogged up the home stretch. And I tell you what, you know, the Howard Wood crowd has always been known to be outstanding support. Right. And they, they were giving me the, 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 you know, as I walked ran, you know, I was getting the nice applause and that. And it felt so good. Because I got to be honest with you, in five years, I ran track at South Dakota State. That's, I only had one good track season and that was it and so that that was really a a, a great memory for me well, finished my cool down went around to the back stretch and i can remember a lot of teammates um that uh their names escape me now come some of the sprinters came over and said hey dunlap nice job you know my high school coach gene borman who you know i just think the world of you know i remember gene coming over i was sitting there putting on my training shoes and he goes hey mike and he looks at me and he gives me like the thumbs up and he goes, good job, like that, you know? And I say, yeah. hey, thanks coach. And, and I tell you, you and I, and I remember one for a cool down run with uh, 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 Dan O'Brien, Rob Kinnanen, I think Joel yep. Brandt was there. And I remember we went for a couple, two, three, four mile cool down around Howard Wood. And I, I could have been floating on cloud nine on that cool down run. And I remember you were all jacked up. And to kind of wrap this story up, we, we went out for uh, pizza. I remember we went to Pizza Hut that night and celebrated with our, with our girls, you know, and yeah. our buddies. And, and the next morning, we were all back in Brookings, and you and I got up. And I remember we went out for a 12-mile run. I don't know if you remember that or not. I don't remember that. And I was, I was stiff and sore. You were stiff and sore. And I remember we were out for this run. And even though we had a great run, and we were just going out for an easy run, you know, we'd raced the day before. And I remember we were kind of laughing to ourselves, saying, you know, isn't it kind of funny? Yesterday, we were feeling on top of the world. You know, we're 21, 22 years old. There's nothing yep. we can do. And now today, we're out there just happy to jog through an easy 12 <laughs> because it felt like a lot of work. Hey, Beards, this has been so much fun. And, and I think we've uh, probably worn our, our listeners out oh, by now. But well, I really I appreciate you. Don, listen, that, just to reiterate, that race, that was what, seriously, and I'm not just saying this because Dunn's my best friend. That was one of the funnest, greatest <laughs> races I've ever watched in my life. And we want to thank everybody for listening today. And if you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about the show, you can contact us directly at our website, beardsanddunnpod.com, or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, all on Beards and Dunn Pod. Hey, and if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to comment, subscribe, and hit that like button. Bears, I look forward to it. You know, next time we're going to come back, it, it gets even better because um, the Beards is back. He's training hard. And that uh, Excelsior, Minnesota, I tell you, I've got some great memories of you and I doing some really great we runs. We had up some in that wonderful area. runs there, Don. All right, we'll talk about it next time. All right, buddy. Bye bye. Have a great day.